This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. When you assess your own life, consider it with the eye of a gardener. Underneath the surface lies rich, fertile soil, waiting to nurture the seeds you sow. Even more than you can imagine will grow there if given a chance. By Steve Goodyear. Are you feeling stuck, stagnant, or unsettled in your current reality? Are discomfort, dissatisfaction, and disease ongoing themes in your life? Are you longing for healthy change, first with yourself and then with others? Seeds of change lie dormant within. Even more than you can imagine will grow there if given a chance. Valeria Tellez interviews Holly Kenley, the author of Shifting Bravely, A Path to Growth, Healing, and Transformation. Holly Kenley, MAMFT, currently works in the field of psychology as an author, therapist, and workshop presenter. Through her gentle but powerful, informative, and restorative approach, Holly engages clinical and lay audiences, empowering them with strategies to embrace well and whole ways of being. She has been a six-time peer presenter at the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists annual state conferences and a featured or keynote speaker at college-level clinical programs, state and national advocacy organizations, and educational institutions speaking on cyberbullying, the power of self-worth, betrayal, relapse, screen dependence, and sexual abuse recovery. Holly has been a guest on over 100 podcasts, as well as on Arizona's TV, Sandy and Friends, speaking on issues of wellness. Holly maintains a private practice in Rancho Mirage, California. Meet Holly at hollykenley.com. Here's the interview with Holly Kenley. In your own words, who is Holly Canley? Thank you, Valeria. Uh, I love this question. And a few, even just maybe a year or so ago, I would have answered this probably in a little bit more of a standard fashion. But I stumbled across this beautiful quote in writing my most recent book. And I I just want to start with that because it spoke to me when I came across it and it really describes who I am. And the author is unknown. So I'm going to just read this. Healers are not holy beings sent down from the light. They emerge from the darkness after learning how to heal themselves and radiate the glow of transformation. And so in defining myself personally, um, this is how I am as a woman, a wife, a mother, and a friend. And professionally, this quote around being a healer determines how I work in the field of psychology as a therapist and author and or a speaker. It seems like everything carries both, mm-hmm. right, Holly? The energies mm-hmm. of light and darkness. Yes, I, you know, I, I think, and we talked a little bit before, is that if there is some darkness, if you will, in your past, or what I usually uh, deal with and work with, not just in my own life, but with my clients, is is with trauma. And so I, I love that piece in there that, you know, all of that energy and time and work and courage and commitment that it takes, you know, not just over months, but over years sometimes of healing ourselves that uh, then we 
are in a place where at least I feel I am, not that I don't have maybe dark moments, but that I'm in a, in a healed enough place to bring uh, light into other people's lives. I love the way you say that too, healed enough to mm. bring light into other people's lives. That is so profound and true because we also acknowledge that darkness will always be there. Mm-hmm. I love the way you say it's dark moments. They don't have to be darkness in the sense of taking over our lives or perhaps a whole day or week. Mm-hmm. I love this idea that we can be true moment by moment, live moment by moment and mm-hmm. be open to whatever it's here. Yes, yes. I don't know if you remember a poem by Sarah mm, Romy about the guest house. It's a beautiful poem about accepting this in a sense of body-mind conditioned. Body-mind mm-hmm. is a house of all feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but then mm-hmm. he talks about being open, letting all these feelings to be a guest and mm-hmm. come in mm-hmm. and uh, let them be. I just love that. I I don't re- I love him, and I and I've read a lot of his <laughs> writings and things. Right. But why? One of the things, uh, Valeria, that I find not just with myself but with clients is is exactly what you're speaking to and re- reminding them and sitting with them in their you know giving them that space that it's absolutely necessary to be in that emotion at the moment, no matter how weighty or heavy it is. Because we're going to we're going to move through it. And so it is important to honor it and to be in it and to experience it. And then our gives ourselves permission to move out of it. And so many times, you know, clients feel feel shame about just being in the emotion. And so, I mean, as their therapist, I don't want them to remain there forever, of course. Right, right. <laughs> but, <Yes>. but, but <laughs> just being safe in it. And, and as I said, helping them to feel safe about being in it and, and then giving them the tools, whatever they might be, to, to then move away and out of it. That's another beautiful inside message, being with whatever is present and feeling safe within that realm. And I wonder what would be one of your suggestions to be present and to feel safe with dark emotions and feelings? Well, uh, two things come to mind, and it's probably the two you know most common that that I'm encountering. So that's why they're coming to mind. One is, of course, in the safety of a, a therapeutic relationship, and of course, that must be one that is built on trust and unconditional positive regard, um, belonging, acceptance. You know, all of those sacred components. I believe that are are part of the therapeutic relationship. I, I mean, I have experienced this so many times with with broken and traumatized individuals. So it 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 unfolds with within it, it's birthed actually in the therapeutic relationship, and then and then if not, and then after that, but sometimes sometimes not always individually others have felt safe doing that in their spiritual practices so they're you know and it depends on what their belief system is or what their rituals or practices are but many individuals come in and and at least they've been able to find comfort in their spiritual realm and in those routines and rituals and 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 sharing those emotions or disclosing them, releasing them in in those private, more private moments. With that in mind, Holly, how do you define spirituality these days? I define it as a relationship, an intimate, close, uh, nurturing relationship with anything or or any one being or being. 
I have kind of an interesting background as far as I'll just briefly maybe connect it, you know, what my around that is that I was raised in a agnostic slash atheist household and wasn't permitted to attend church or, or you know, go to any kind of uh, spiritual house or anything like that. And and that just, it didn't really impact me. I, I You know, we don't know what we don't know. And so I it didn't really give much thought to that unless a friend, a girlfriend or a friend growing up was attending um, Catholicism or, or going to the synagogue or you know, I, I might be allowed to go or to attend. And then uh, during my late 20s and early 30s, a very special woman uh, came into my life who was a Christian, and I began to embrace that following and and did so very, very, very seriously and kind of put my whole being into that for about 10, 12 years. And then, you know, as as I've heard you talk about before, as we change, we our age, our maturity, our growing and transitioning, I, I became a little disillusioned. And then I entered into the field of psychology because I I didn't want to be an in an in exclusive kind of space. I wanted to be I wanted to embrace a more inclusive way of thinking. And so when I entered graduate school to get my master's in psychology, and at the same time, I was also teaching a uh, class to seniors in high school called Theory of Knowledge. And, And it was a transformational experience because the class was built on Socratic questioning. And I was more of a, a, a guide, a philosopher, so to speak. And so that that has morphed <laughs> my thinking <laughs> and my experience. And then the last thing I'll say in this open um, space that I've embraced for quite some time since, since the early to mid-90s is that I've always been drawn to nature and... Um, for many years lived up in the mountains in Southern California and nature became uh, and, and still is an integral part of my belief system and my spirituality. In your book, Shifting Bravely, A Path to Growth, Healing and Transformation, mm-hmm. you do refer <laughs> to nature, mm-hmm. life as a garden. Actually, I love the introduction of this episode I have Steve Gaudier, I think his name yeah, is. And I, you have, oh, you have that poem by him, was saying by him, when you access your own life, consider it with the eye of a gardener. I always try to use story and metaphor in my in my writings and in my speaking or what you know whatever it is that I'm even in session of course um, and in fact when I'm dealing with really severe um, sexual abuse I sometimes the only avenue is through metaphor and through story and I invite my clients to bring in something from nature or whatever it might be um, but when I the quote that you referenced when I stumbled on that early on, into the pre-writing phase of Shifting Bravely, I knew, I knew instantly (laughs) this was going to be the foundation for the book. What is about nature that really brings us back to that truth that everything is connected and everything is okay, Mm. then even if it's not in this moment, will Mm. be. The sense of inner peace Because we can find that within too, because we are nature, as I said Mm -hmm. earlier. But I wonder why we a lot of times have to go back to the thoughtless environments to reconnect with that truth within. Have we gone too far, Holly, when it comes to thinking? (laughs) Oh, Valeria, I... And I I speak to this several times throughout the book, but I don't think there are too many places left externally that where we can find stillness 
And, you know, because we're so in such a technology, technologically driven and defined world. And I know, I mean, we wouldn't be able to be together today without that. So this is a disclaimer that we understand the wonders of technology, but I do feel and believe strongly, as you could especially tell in that one chapter about you know, a, a, a shift waiting our attention, that we are so drawn away from nature. We are constantly being messaged and pulled away. And so, let alone even turning inward and into ourselves, that we forget that, you know, a walk outside, you know, going out and listening to the wind, going out and touching the, the bark on a tree, that we can become recentered and re-energized so beautifully and easily. And um, so, yeah, I this is a topic that <laughs> I, I am just passionate about. And I know that we could go on and on and on for ages speaking about nature, but hopefully mm. we won't need to do that because it seems like we are returning to ourselves in a sense of inner peace, finding our own truth and reconnecting with nature. It yes. seems to be, Holly, yes. and I hope that's true. I I do agree with you. I think there uh, there is their awareness that's being more developed around the dis-ease and the uneasiness that we're all kind of trying to navigate and work through. So I I hope that, I believe that, and I, I'm even beginning to trust that. <laughs> oh, yeah, even better. It's oh, almost as a constant practice of letting life be, letting this moment be what it is without resistance and fear. Yes. Which resistance is mm-hmm. fear, right, Holly? Yes, it is. And, you know, sometimes I'm when I'm working with my clients, I try to really get them to narrow that down a little bit. I'll say, you know, they'll say, I'm afraid. And I say, afraid of, of you know, and just wait and let them fill in that blank over and over and over again. And by being able to kind of break that down and identify it. And so many times, Valeria, it's around fear of change. It happens to me all the time. I mean, not as often as it used to, in a sense of resisting change. Recently, my mother-in-law moved in mm-hmm. with us, my husband uh-huh. and I. And I remember resisting, like the my something in mm-hmm. me was resisting so hard that I think I became sick. I had some issues with headaches and not sleeping well and even not breathing mm-hmm. right. And that's how much the body was resisting to that change. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yes. So to be able to identify that and then, you know, talk through that and process that. But, but yes, that is a really big one. And something that kind of goes along with that, um, especially if there are maybe some underlying or some very <laughs> dominant codependency behaviors is not being able to control I mean, they're, they're sort, sort of synonymous, but yet, you know, there's some differences too. But what I'm hearing in your story is, you know, were you going to be able to maybe, you know, maintain the status quo? Were you, were you maybe going to be able to control how your daily life might be or, you know, just that, that kind of thing? We have to sometimes let go of the reins and, and that can be scary, yeah, and I remember it. Now it uh, has been how long now? About well, three weeks, not that long oh, ago. Okay. But now it's becoming a lot more, let's say, soft and gentle. That sense of resistance in the body. Mm-hmm. It's more physical than mental. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure there's a lot happening within the realm of the mind too, the mental, the thoughts, of course. But it's not as strong, as powerful as the body. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see. And you mentioned codependence. In your book, you do talk about mm-hmm. that too. And this is something that I suspected in the very beginning when I was getting into relationships with men and mm-hmm. uh, being very attached mm-hmm. to them and trying to control everything. Mm-hmm. And and then I came across this concept of codependence and, and like, oh, wow, I am a codependent. 
That doesn't feel good. Valeria, I consider myself a CC, which is a classic codependent. And I've been working on this for uh, over 35 years. So um, it is, it does, it, it's, it's always, as we say, a process, but it's something that I'm, I'm very attuned to and very uh, compassionate about. And, um, and, and more than anything, because codependents tend to be some of the most kind and caring and giving and um, selfless people we know, <laughs> including ourselves to the point where we, you know, don't put ourselves enough first. Um, uh, so I just really, you know, welcome that um, piece into the process if that's part of what I'm working on with a client because uh, self-compassion around that is, is as necessary as learning boundary work is is. is as well. It's interesting because the way it feels is that if I say no, then I'm being unkind. Mm. That's how the mind mm. interprets mm. Uh, the experience. And I'm trying to change that shift. I love the title of your book, <laughs> Shifting Bravely. Wow, I need to change bravely. And just be kind in a sense to everyone around me myself mm-hmm. first and then every and they expand that kindness by being true by saying no in a kind way yes and that has been a challenge <laughs> i must say still yes. <laughs> a big one so yeah talk to me a bit more about that because i know i'm not the only one that happens a lot with women i noticed too it is it certainly does valeria and i have gosh i have three three or four right now just high functioning super successful females who in kind of a span of ages but that just what you said they cannot say no <laughs> And what, just kind of a little technique, and I won't go into detail because we really don't have time, but I ask them to go as far back as they can into their, you know, as far as back as their memory will tell them. And when was the first time that it was hard for them to say no, that they can recall and remember. And we start talking about those life, what I call life messages and life experiences. And then I just move them forward and they begin to see that, you know, they connecting the dots that this started, you know, a long time ago in wanting to please people, in wanting to be feeling worthy and feeling enough and feeling loved and connected and that they belonged. And so they sacrificed themselves in order to to please, to do, to organize, to caretake, whatever. So it goes back to, in my opinion, not that that unknowing about how to speak for yourself and it goes so far back. So it's recognizing that, it's honoring that, that that served you well for a number of years or for these clients, it did serve them well. And now they're tired and they're hurting and it's not serving them well in their interpersonal relationships. Going back to what you said earlier, being healed enough mm-hmm. to be the light for mm-hmm. others. As we continue to work on our own healing journey or healing adventure, as I say it. But yeah, I do remember my mother. That's exactly when it started, for sure. I can really see that clearly now. Mm-hmm trying to do anything to please her because she was very, I think, emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. and very aggressive. So I was always trying to pacify and make peace and doing mm-hmm. everything to maintain the peace. And I, of course, as children, that's not possible. But we, I did try. And I, I think you did that the same thing. Yes, yes. Yes, very, very much. So we kind of take on that parentified role and um, that mothering role. And then we continue to mother others and we need to start mothering ourselves. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Yes, a billion times to that, <laughs> mothering our own selves, right? When it comes to find that healing path, right, yes. Holly? It has been my healing path, yeah. Self-love, self-acceptance, self-compassion. Mm. 
and doing this work, of course. Uh, and I remember that even hosting this podcast, it began when I think a therapist was no longer a therapist. She was becoming a shaman, I think, somewhere in um, Boulder, oh, Colorado. Uh-huh. She, yeah, she transitioned and she was introduced to me by someone I knew. And then she said to me on the phone, she said that you need to mother yourself. Mm-hmm. And that changed everything. I remember just going to meditation and and kind of finding the path. And that was coming from that place that was healed enough to do mm. this work and to share messages of love and then continue to do my own work on the side with my husband and people around yes. me, <laughs> which has been an interesting adventure. Yes, <laughs> yes. absolutely. And I, I just wanted to add, Valeria's, because I love how you're bringing up that we're healed enough is that it's always, and you've kind of said it, but I just think it's so beautiful is that, and through my longer life, is that there have been those times, of course, where even in my work as a therapist, or if I'm speaking or writing a book where I pause when I know that there are things coming up when, or there's been traumatic things that have happened where I need to take a step back, take care of myself. Like I talk about in Shifting Bravely, you know, our soil can get, can get, just filled with toxins and and environmental pesticides that come in and and make our soil really yucky for a while so we take a step back we pause we do that internal cleansing and and all of that inner work that needs to be done and then we step out again into our field and and then we have we have not we're not only in a more more healed place, but we have more to offer up because we have been through more. As we know, we cannot give what we don't yes. have. If it's we don't have this space within, so how can we offer that to others? I love that this practice too, Holly. Right, pausing because that's how I see healing. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like that's why the word healing it ends with ing. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant dance as it is with balance. I see the same dynamic kind of falling out of balance, maybe not as harshly as um, we used to, I Mm -hmm. used to, but then knowing how to go back to center again, go back into balance. Is that trust that I know how to go back? Yes. That's what really healing is to me. What is healing to you? Uh, Valeria, see, we're on sync today because <laughs> I put ing on the end. Well, of course, on shifting for this book, right? Right. And forever, right, right. I, I, I mean, I slip once in a while and say recovery, but for the most part, I try to be very intentional about say recovering, healing, because and and sometimes I say to my clients, you know, it's not like a ski slope. It's not a straight up line. It's like a staircase, you know, up and back and up and back and up and back. And sometimes we kind of reach a plateau and stay there for a while and then go up. But so it is an, an ongoing process of listening to, tending to, and moving through whatever it is that we're going through that period of time. So you wrote the book, Shifting Bravely, A Path to Growth, Healing, and Transformation. Talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book. Thank you, Valeria. Um, I just want to back up a, a bit is that in 2015 to 17, as I embarked upon a qualitative study, it was an independent qualitative study, but a formal study, and it was called the Daughters Project. And it took me about 18 months to, uh, I was looking for daughters who were quote unquote, betrayed by their mothers. And, but the important piece is that they were moving from brokenness to wholeness. I didn't care what their journey was, what their path was, but they had to be able to delineate that. And so I did complete that project and it, Anna did an analysis and that book came out in 2018 called Daughters Betrayed by Their Mothers, Moving from Brokenness to Wholeness. And I knew, Valeria, at the end of that book that I would hone in 
on the concept of shifting. Um, that and so that just has had sat with me for over a year, and 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 then I. I wrote another book in the interim, but, but that, that was, it wouldn't let go of me. I I knew that, that, that was going to happen. And I really just, you know, kind of speaking about words here for a minute, we use the word change all the time, you know, of course in psychology and growth and all of that, but just seeing that word change, it's the harsh consonants, it's the longer vowel sound and because of all the connotations around it, it it immediately, at least in the field of psychology, invites resistance. So what I love about shift and shifting, it's those softer consonants, it's the shorter vowel sound, and it just, to me, is welcoming and inviting. And so that was that was just a calling for me as well. And then as I alluded to other a little earlier, um, when the metaphor of the garden came in, that piece came into play. But I really wanted with this book, it's the question we always ask in psychology and in, you know, in human life in, in general, at least uh, I do ask, why are some people able to change? And why do some people get stuck? And, and so I wanted to put out, without clinical jargon, a safe invitation for individuals to consider this very natural, beautiful process. And as that quote in the chapter one says, that seeds of change lay dormant within you. They are not defective. They are not deficient. They are dormant. They are there. And so I, I just wanted to put out this, this like I said, uh, a compassionate, safe, caring path for individuals to step onto and, and hopefully embrace as they want to uh, create some, some growth, healing, or transformation in their lives. The less resistance we have, the more we flourish if we let life do its work. Yes. Yes, and Valeria, one thing that I, I and I think shifting bravely um, puts this out there without being, you know, negative at all. Through there's stories, as you know, all throughout. But you, but read, readers get to see that they're not alone. That there is hard work involved in this in this process it and it's it's one of my things that I, I worry about because with such easy access to so many different solutions and things many times clients come in and and they really think there's going to be a quick fix or they're discouraged I had one client say to me um, oh, I've had her for about five or six months she's just this amazing amazing beautiful, vibrant woman who is just suffering. And she said, Holly, if you, I've been to two other therapists and if you tell me to write a gratitude journal, I'm leaving. So anyway, my point is, is that yes, we need to do the work and sometimes it's hard work, but you're not alone. And it, it will, it will, just unfold within you and and you will feel the shifts taking hold and and moving and creating new shifts inside of you if you'll remain open to that and and also to embrace the hard work some it's it's just part of part of the journey in in my opinion a lot of times i wonder why some of us don't open soon enough. <laughs> that was my mm. case. It took me so many years to become open to healing and to look for help and support. That took mm. 37 years. Well, I, I'd like to say speak to that, Valeria, because a couple of things. One is in, in the first chapter where I talk about the layers of camouflage. And, and camouflage is an interesting word, isn't it? Because it serves a dual purpose of protecting the status quo, but also preventing us from discovery. So I don't like to use denial and detachment and you know all of that, that we are just separated from our unknowing. 
know, we're kept in our state of unknowing by this camouflage that can be very thick, thick layers or depending on what our life experiences are. But there are those seeds that I I ask individuals to trust, you know, that they're there. So can we take a look about are we trying to protect our status quo? And, you know, even though it might be not serving us very well or and are we preventing discovery of all the possibilities in our soil? And then the other thing, as you said, you were 37. I believe, and I, I, I believe this, I, I said this phrase before, but I believe it, I know it, I trust it, that we come to these experiences, Valeria, when they are meant to be. That means if I was not ready before, it's because I wasn't. <laughs> yes. No questioning that. Yes. Mm, that's a powerful insight and one that sounds very, resonates true to me. Well, I just, it, when, and I hear this all the time, Holly, why didn't I get in here sooner? Why didn't I, and I, I, those self-shaming messages, we just start tossing those out. Those, those aren't allowed. (laughs) Okay. We're, we're not doing the should have, would have, could have, you know, that's the, I mean, I, I, I say it a little differently than that, but uh, yeah, the last, the last thing we need to do is self-shame. And self-blame, that, that's not helping us on, in our journey. <laughs> Chapter two, a shift is awakened. There are so many, many, many insights. You discuss also the conditions for accepting, oh, listening, getting to hear the calling, the call for change. You have three of them. Um, you mentioned the one we realize and accept we no longer are able to manage our discomfort. Actually, would you like to go through the process? I think you mentioned three in the book. I have them here, Holly. Yes. Or should I mention them? Oh, if you could go ahead and then I'll just touch up. It would touch upon them briefly. That would be great. So the one we realize and accept, we're no longer able to manage our discomfort. Second is we have come to realize and accept that discomfort is managing us. And then the third is the presence of a trigger or triggers. That reminds me of the AA steps, that they do have the steps of realizing. It kind of reminds me of that in a way. Yes, there there is some there is similarity absolutely around some of their their foundational principles. And I I think that one of the things that was important to me in this is that sometimes we think of discomfort as and I broke it down into internal examples and external examples, is that we think about, you know, like addiction and and horrible things are happening in our lives and you know people's lives are falling apart on all and and that is very true but then there is these more subtle triggers like shame like self-doubt like blame like just wondering what's wrong with me and I I call them self-shaming life messages so they're ones that we don't pay attention to and we tend to internalize and live with for a very long period of time and uh, they're so damaging and so destructive so i really wanted to you know emphasize that it it can be just something so subtle and yet each and every time whether it's just a little nudging whether it's an aha moment or you know, even just a fleeting idea, like, I think I need to be out of this relationship, is, is when we dismiss that, when we ignore that, we exile those seeds back into dormancy. We miss that opportunity. Not that it can't come again, but... There's something about the transmission of wisdom Mm. of healing, even healing in that sense. Like when you say healing enough, the more healed I become, it seems Mm. to me that that's passed on, it's transmitted to others. Even if I don't use words or I don't technically teach Mm. them how to heal themselves, it's Mm. being passed on. So I trust Mm. that. 
Mm. Even being in relationships that are not perfect, like in my case with my husband, hopefully he's not going to listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So that one is, um, I kind of trust that, Holly, that is, um, yeah, there's something here that I I really like in the end, I mean, deep inside, I really Mm. feel that I would love to be just... um, dwell within my own energies and just mm. be within, live from my own minds within, and, and flourish from my own thoughts because I know how how wonderful they are. Um, I'm hearing a few things that just really resonate with with me and, and, and what we're talking about today. And I know, Valeria, for me, and, and I'm much older, I'm old enough to be your, your mom, um, which I just love that because my daughter's right a little bit older than you are. But I, I noticed that we, at least as I've gotten older, and, and this started quite some time ago, that we become more protective of where we are in our healing journey. And I think that that's really important. I don't mean that in a negative way at all, because if we don't become protective of that, who is going to be, who's going to safeguard that, who's going to, um, you know, continue to, to nurture that and take care of that. That's, it's, I, I believe that that is our responsibility to ourselves. The other piece, which I'm going to kind of jump over to chapter seven, which we talked about a little about in in sustaining our wellness, that there are some core principles that I, I lay out in in that chapter that if when our when our shift is rooted within us when it we it becomes who we are when it when we are living it moment by moment and it is it is who we are there are these pieces of evidence that that show up and we can go through them if you want but my point being is that for me those are non-negotiables you know, I, I a client, one of the stories in the book says it, and I've said this throughout my life, no one or nothing will interfere with my wellness. Now, to some people, that sounds harsh. It sounds selfish. But I know me. And I know that that must be what, what is my driving paramount force in my life is my wellness. So um, I, I hear that. and And the third piece is that depending on where we are in life and where you know how how rooted we are in in our wellness and how sustainable we are and how we've integrated those representations into our being is that and I, I'm not recommending this with your husband but, but what I've had to do in my life is there's some people that I have just shed you know I mean at different stages different ages um, because I don't want that that energy is not I don't want that in my life. And and that's my choice to make. And and I make that. Um, as I said, I started with being protective of your growth because we, you know, we have the next season to continue growing. And I, I'm very clear on what contributes to my wellness and growth and healing and transformation and what does not. So um I know, it kind of jumped around a little bit there, but... Um. No, you didn't. <laughs> you're, you're very <laughs> much to the point, and that's what I called living from the heart and feeling mm-hmm. empowered. That's true mm-hmm. empowerment, which is we are listening to the messages of our own heart. We know what feels right in the sense of wellness, as, as you say. I love that word, being well. Yes. I know what makes me feel well, and that's yes. where I want to stay. Yeah, it could sound like a protection kind of idea that we can become protective of that, but why not? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I love everything about you, Holly. It's just, I mean, you're just so balanced, but I would like to say harmony. You, You just bring this balance, this harmony between everything, the intellect, emotions. I mean, I would say the intellect now for this conversation, but Mm -hmm. I can also feel the emotions in the sense of kindness. There's a lot of gentleness, Mm -hmm. which to me has to do with, um, I don't know, navigating the emotional world really well. I mean, you're just very, very integrated and beautiful in so many ways. I mean, as a whole, it's, it's just a beautiful 
person to witness the unfolding mm. in this moment. It's truly beautiful. Well, Valeria, thank you so much. And um, that's so gracious. And I take that in and I thank you so much. And um, as I said before we started, I listened to a number of your podcasts and you know, you put that energy out there. You make that you make the platform safe and inviting and comfortable for someone like me to come in and and to speak my truths. And so it is it's a two way thing. <laughs> and um, so I just want to affirm you and invalidate you and the work that you're doing as well. Thank you so much again for your presence. And there's so many notes that I made here from your book, but I can't go through all them in this moment. Maybe we'll come back and have another conversation. That would be lovely. So before I ask you the final questions, Holly, for today, would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book? Um, let's see. I, I think I would just like to add that I always get asked about, Holly, you know, is, is it too late um, am I too old? And I, if whoever's listening to this, that it is never, ever, ever too late to uh, find your path, find a trusted individual, if that's your calling as well, to have someone guide you on that path and um, to to embrace embrace wellness. And this kind of is going to go to my concluding remarks in a minute, but please, I just ask you to trust that, believe that, and to know that we are meant to live our full lives and to live peaceful, loving, um, harmonious lives. Mm. Yes. Uh, how many yeses can I say to that again? Yeah, I love your wisdom. Oh, the wisdom mm-hmm. that you're just you allow it to flow through you. That's what it is, really, isn't it? Just allowing mm. truth to flow. Yes, thank you. I, I I believe that. Yes. What do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? You probably already have said that, but I would like to hear that again. I've I've heard you ask this before, and and it's it's a tough one, but because there's so much that could be said. I, I believe, especially with kind of the way, Valeria, that kind of, I don't want to be negative because I just worry about the role that technology is playing. I believe it's about connection. And and I mean face-to-face connection. I mean about empathy and unconditional positive regard. And I mean kindness, of course, but without empathy, and unconditional positive regard, I, I just, I'll keep it positive. I think it's those two components that we so need to, to be fulfilled and to help fulfill one another. And this is something that is um, very easily transmitted if it is in person, right, Holly? That's how you feel. I agree because I absolutely agree. I see that the most powerful experiences I have had, they have been around human beings, like being close to them, very close, Mm -hmm. physically close to them. Yes. And my last question is, what is another word for life? For me, Valeria, it's easy. It's, It's wellness. I mean, I know it might sound kind of simplistic, but I, I just add this, and I know I usually I I know sometimes you ask about our three wishes, but because to me it comes down to this: is that if each of us embraces wellness for ourselves, whatever, like I said a moment ago, whatever the path, whatever the process, that if we do that, then there's a domino effect because the second thing comes into play. If we are living a well. And sometimes I use the word whole, and I don't mean that that's perfect. I just mean it's integrated in, in its wellness together. It's integrated into our being to the degree or to the level of wellness that we will live, that we're living our lives determines who we invite into our lives and who or what who or what we invite into our lives and who or what we are attracted to, which leads to the third thing 
And that's that. So we're well, we have a level of wellness and wholeness. We attract people and things into our life and we're attracted to people of things usually have equal levels of wellness. But then if we choose to invite children into our lives that we want to leave them a legacy of wellness by living it out. And I'll close with just that, you know, my daughter, I didn't have the best childhood, but my daughter is my living legacy that I've been true to my calling, to the promise that I made myself at age 11, that I was going to choose a different life. And if I ever had the privilege of being a mother, that I would do it differently. How beautiful to hear that, that your daughter is the legacy of your wellness <laughs> passed on. <laughs> Thank you so much, Holly, again. Thank you, Valeria. For your beautiful presence. Everything, I mean, everything about you, it's just, um, uh, it's graceful. Um, th that's another word that comes to me. It's so graceful. Thank you. And before we say goodbye today, where can we find more information about you, your therapy work, uh, products, and future projects? The easiest and best place, Valeria, is online. And my name is with an I. It's spelled a little differently. It's, it's at www.holly with an I, kenley.com. All the information is there. So thank you. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile. Thank you, Holly. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Holly Kenley and her work, please visit hollykenley.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>